And don't you just love singing about the faithfulness of God? Just to stop and think about how good he is, how he never fails. He never misses a beat. He is always faithful. This is the kind of God that we serve. And, and I, I think today the Lord just wants to remind us of his goodness and his faithfulness because he's going to call us to trust in his faithfulness. Last week, we started a brand new sermon series called Spirit Walk, where I really was just trying to whet your appetite to have a desire to walk with the Spirit. And, and I shared with you last week how God has so many things he wants to give us through his Spirit. He has a promise for abundant life for us, but that abundant life is found only in the power of his Spirit. And, and I challenge you to, to recognize the fact that, that the Spirit of God can produce fruit in you. We were looking at Galatians 5, and I, I talked about how the Spirit can make you the kind of person you always wanted to be so that you could live the kind of life you've always dreamed of living. All of this wrapped up in the power of the Spirit and walking with the Spirit. But I, I really feel a danger that, that if you only heard last week's sermon and didn't really listen in today, you might get the wrong idea about how we relate to the Spirit of God. And, and you can make it about what you get from the Spirit. And if you miss the point of what it means to walk with the Spirit, you're going to miss the power of what it means to walk with the Spirit. And so I believe today i got to give you a little counterbalance to what I gave you last week. So here's the deal. If you try to, to engage and be in relationship with the Spirit for what you can get out of it, you're not going to get anything out of your relationship with the Spirit. If you approach the Spirit and your idea is, Spirit, I want to know you so that I can have your power and your miracles and so I can get something from you, even if it's some godly things like joy and peace and patience and things like that, if you approach the Spirit for what you can get out of the Spirit, you won't get anything out of the Spirit because the Spirit will not be told what to do. He's in charge, not us. But if you approach the Spirit and want a relationship with him so that you can give to him, not get from him, what you'll discover is the Spirit always gives to you more than you give to him. He always wins that battle. At Fielder, we talk a lot about generosity. One of the statements we make is, you can't outgive God, but it sure can't hurt to try. And I feel it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to ever outgive the Holy Spirit, but you sure should try. Just to give to him over and over again and watch how much more he'll give to you. So today what I want to talk to you about is what the Holy Spirit requires of us who want to walk with him. And to go ahead and distill it down to his basic level, the Holy Spirit requires absolutely everything. He wants total surrender from us who would walk with him. We're going to learn that from a very well-known passage of Scripture. It's a passage of Scripture that I'll bet many of you have heard before. Some of you may even have memorized. It's one that I was very familiar with. I'd heard messages on dozens of times. I'd read dozens of times. Very familiar with it, but I never understood it the way I did when I learned back this May, May 18th, during one of my quiet times when God just blew my mind with the truth of this particular passage. And this one truth has been one of the most life-changing for me over the last six months is it redefined how I relate to Almighty God. And I think it can do the same thing for you if you'll dig into it. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Romans. We're going to be in chapter 12. We're just going to read two verses. The entire sermon is just those two verses. Now, before we jump in, I want to make sure you understand what's taking place in the book of Romans. So this is written by the Apostle Paul. And when he writes a letter, typically he has the same basic format. He gives us theology for the first part of the letter, and then he transitions over and he gives us application. How do we apply the theology that we just got? This is exactly what he does in the book of Romans. Chapters 1 through 11 of the book of Romans is some of the densest, richest theology in the entire Bible. You could spend the rest of your life just trying to understand Romans chapters 1 through 11, and you won't get to the bottom of it. 
huge theology about the brokenness of mankind, sin and the destruction of sin, and yet how Christ came to die for our sins and how we can be forgiven and there's no more condemnation in Christ and we can win the war against the enemy and sin and all these incredible truths that God gives us in chapters 1 through 11. Beautiful theology. And then chapter 12 is the hinge point of the letter of Romans. And in chapter 12, he starts to give us practical application. Because of chapters 1 through 11, here's what we do with it in chapters 12 to the end of the book. So chapter 12 is the hinge point, which is why you're going to see it starts off with this idea of therefore. Because of chapters 1 through 11, therefore, here's how we apply it. These first two verses sound so simple, but they are deeper than the ocean. Here's what they say. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, like I said, you, you've, many of you have heard that particular passage of Scripture before. I have heard this so many times that, to be honest with you, I was so familiar with it that I didn't realize the deep implications of this passage until May 18th of this past year. It was during my quiet time. I was reading a book. It's this book I have right here. I highly recommend it. It's called They Found the Secret. It's a book about 20 different people, men and women, very well-known people in recent history who have been very influential in, in growing the kingdom of God and advancing the church. People that you probably know some of their names, Oswald Chambers, uh, this Amy Carmichael, John Bunyan, Charles Finney, D.L. Moody, Andrew Murray, Hudson Taylor, these people who were missionaries and church planners and others. And the, the, it gives their testimony, 20 different people, of how every single one of them had incredible life change a secret they found, and for all of them, that secret was just the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. But on May 18th, I was reading about a gentleman named Dr. Walter Wilson. And he's not a very well-known person. He was a medical doctor, but he was a guy who led hundreds and hundreds of people to faith in Jesus Christ. And he was sharing his testimony in that chapter, and part of his testimony was that there was a sermon he heard on Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where he was challenged to think differently about this idea of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice. And, and I had never thought about this before until I read in that chapter. And so the preacher that particular day, speaking to Walter Wilson, who was in the congregation, was to ask the question, who do you think we offer our bodies to as a living sacrifice? Well, it's to God, but, but specifically, which person of the Godhead? If you know what the Trinity is, there are three persons in the Godhead. There's Father, there's Son, and there's Holy Spirit. So he's asking the question, when we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, to which person are we presenting our body? And he went on to say, well, it's not Jesus. Jesus already has a body, and so he doesn't need a body. He has a resurrected body he'll have for all eternity. It's not the Father, because the Father is enthroned up upon the throne in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus right by his side. So who are we offering our bodies to as a living sacrifice? It is the Holy Spirit, the one who's been assigned by the Father to do work in this world who does not have a, a body. Now, the Father could have given a body to the Holy Spirit to do his work, but he chose instead to give people on earth the option of presenting their bodies to the Holy Spirit so the Spirit could come and possess them and do his work on earth. So when we offer our bodies, present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we are presenting them to the Holy Spirit for him to come in and to possess, which I think makes perfect sense. If you think about the scriptures and you look at the way the Holy Spirit works, every time the Holy Spirit works on earth, he's doing it through a person who made his body, body available 
to God to be used. You can go back to the book of Exodus when they're building the, the, the sacred elements of the tabernacle. It says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore they were able to create the lampstand and the table of showbread and, and the Ark of the Covenant. The Holy Spirit created these things through people who were willing to let the Spirit work in them. You go over to the book of Judges, you got Jephthah, you got Samson, you got Deborah, and it says the Holy Spirit rushed upon them and they were able to deliver the people from their, their oppression. So God wanted through his spirit to deliver them, and the way he did it was by rushing upon a person. You go over to the New Testament, and you can see the, the, the way this works. You got the beginning of the church in the book of Acts chapter 2, and it says the Holy Spirit rushed upon them, and they began to speak in all these different languages so that people could hear the gospel in their, <coughs> excuse me, in their own language. The Holy Spirit is coming upon them. You move on, you got Peter and you got John, <coughs> and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're able to, to declare the goodness of Almighty God. It says that they were up in the upper room and they were praying and the Spirit rushed upon them. The whole place shook and filled them with boldness so they could go out and preach the good news of God to other people. So the Spirit wanted the good news to be proclaimed and the way he did it was he filled people who offered themselves up to him. So this is the pattern we have in the Scriptures over and over and over again. He comes in. So, so maybe another way you could think about it would be if on the negative side, like demonic possession. Have you ever heard of that before? It's the idea that a demon can possess a person to accomplish its evil tactics. That's the negative side. On the positive side, you have the Holy Spirit who can possess a person to accomplish his perfect and good will. That's what it means. We offer our bodies to the Holy Spirit to be possessed and owned by the Holy Spirit. So whenever we say, I present my body to you, we are allowing the Spirit to come into us. Now, this is one of the major differences between a demonic and, and a, a godly type of possession. Demons will force their way into a person to possess them to do their evil deeds. But what we're going to learn in a couple of weeks is the Holy Spirit is gentle. He will not force his way upon anybody. He has to be invited. That's why even last week we looked at Luke chapter 11 when Jesus was teaching us to pray. He says, you fathers who know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In other words, we have to ask for the Spirit. We offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Why well, has to be a living sacrifice so that it can accomplish the purposes that the Spirit brings inside of us. So when I learned this truth, it changed the way I viewed my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so literally every single morning since May 18th, I have been praying the same prayer. I journal it over and over and over again. And I say, Holy Spirit, and I'm directing my prayer to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, Holy Spirit, I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice today. And I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to come in and possess me. I do it every single morning because I believe every morning I need to refresh my offer to God. It's like we talked about last week, if you were listening. I talked about the, the three verbs from Galatians 5. We've got to walk by the Spirit. We've got to be led by the Spirit. We've got to keep in step with the Spirit. And I mentioned that they were present tense commands, which means it's something we've got to keep on doing day after day after day. Every morning we wake up, we have to decide if we're going to offer our body to the Spirit to be used by Him. And so I've been doing that every single day, and I've seen God do so many profound things. And therefore, I want to suggest to you that you join me in my practice of every single morning, waking up and in a time of prayer, offering, presenting your body to the Holy Spirit as a living sacrifice to be used for His purpose. But before you take me up on that offer, I want to make sure I'm very clear on what you're saying. Because there is no take-backs on this one. There is no, I offer it to you, and oh, no, I'm just kidding, I want it back. 
when you offer your body to the Holy Spirit, when you present your body to the Spirit as a living sacrifice, you are relinquishing control. You are being possessed and owned by the Holy Spirit, allowing him to do what he wants to with you. You no longer have a say. And there will come moments when the Holy Spirit will call you to do things that you don't really want to do. And when you present your body as a living sacrifice, you are saying, I don't have the right to tell you no anymore, Holy Spirit. You get to tell me what's going on. You are presenting your body. Now that word that Paul chose is super important because it's, it's a very descriptive word. In Greek, it's paristemi. It's, it's actually two words put together. The, the, the verb, istemi, is the idea of to stand upon. And the para that comes before it is to put upon something, to place upon. And it was intended to be the imagery of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, to place upon the altar. That's what it meant, to present it. And if you know how the sacrificial system worked, what you would do is you would take either an animal or you would take a grain offering or a drink offering and you would present it, you would lay it upon the altar and relinquish it to God. You no longer had control. Now, typically a person would give it to the priest, the priest would put it on the altar and it would be given over to God, never to be returned. You couldn't give him a part of it. You had to give all of it and you could never have it back. That was the idea that Paul was getting at when he says we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Another way to translate that Greek word paristemi is the word to, to put at someone else's disposal. And I think that's a perfect way to describe what we're doing when we present our bodies to the Holy Spirit. We are presenting our bodies. We are laying our bodies at his disposal to do what he wants to do with this body. He now has the right to dictate exactly what's going to happen. He tells my hands what he wants them to do, my feet where he wants to take me, my lips what he wants me to speak, my mind what he wants me to think. Every bit of my body is owned by him. I have laid it down at his disposal to do what he wants. And that's what I want to suggest you do every single day of your life. If you want to walk by the Spirit, if you want to enjoy the Spirit walk, it comes when you lay down your body and say, Holy Spirit, I offer it to you. Do what you want to with me. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. Up to this point, this sermon has been very ethereal. It's just kind of nebulous. It's just this unclear kind of thought. Okay, yeah, 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 right. I offer my body to the Holy Spirit. I mean, I can pray that prayer, but what does that look like on a tangible level? And, and I, I want to make sure you understand, it's a very practical thing. Remember, this is the second half of the book of Romans. This is the practical application side. So this shouldn't, shouldn't just be theoretical theology. When we present our bodies, it's a practical application so I want to make sure you know exactly what I'm asking you to do. To present your body as a living sacrifice to the Holy Spirit means that you pray, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with this body of mine? You listen to his instructions, and when you receive them, you do what he says, and you do it immediately. In fact, next week I'm going to talk even more about the importance of immediate obedience. But that's what it means to offer your body, to present your body to the Holy Spirit. You're saying, Spirit, I'm asking you, what do you want to do? I'm waiting for instructions, and when I get them, I obey. That's how you present your body to the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there's some of you right now, when you hear me say this, the first thought that creeps in your mind is, what does it look like? What does it sound like to receive instructions from the Holy Spirit? In fact, there are many of you who are watching this, and one of your, like your, your biggest, deepest questions about the Bible is how do they listen to God in the Bible? They seem so certain that God is speaking to them. If you go to the book of Acts, what you hear again and again, it says the Holy Spirit said to Paul or the Holy Spirit said to the church or the Holy Spirit said to Philip and the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, but it doesn't tell us how. 
And there are many of you watching this and you're going, but I, I want to know, how, how do I hear the Holy Spirit? I mean, is it, is it an audible, booming voice? This is God. I mean, how, how do you know the Spirit's talking to you? Or does he like take modern technology? There's an email from the Holy Spirit. You get a text. Oh, look, it's the Holy Spirit. Here's my to-do list for the day. I mean, how does God communicate with us? And so, so if you're asking yourself that question right now, I want to say bravo. Good job. You are asking the right question because you got to bring it down to such a practical level if you really want to obey the Spirit when he speaks to you. But I want to know it's not nearly as complicated as we want to make it to be. 99% of the time, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, he speaks to us through our thoughts. It's very rarely anything outside of that. Primarily, the way he speaks to us is through our thoughts, especially in the scriptures. You're gonna, I'm going to speak more about this, but the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the scriptures. And so he will speak to us through his scriptures, and he will come to our minds and bring scriptures to mind. But there are many of our thoughts that the Holy Spirit will begin to control and tell us what to do. And when we're listening to the Spirit, we can begin to receive instructions from Him. By the way, this is exactly what the, the book of Romans tells us. I want you to go back to verse 2. So in verse 1, we talked about how we're offering our body specifically to the Holy Spirit as a living sacrifice. But listen to what it follows up with in verse 2. It says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Did you notice where he went on to immediately, right after talking about offering our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Holy Spirit who can come inside of us, the next thing he says is, don't conform to the world, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And the reason why is because the Spirit primarily works in our mind. Which, by the way, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit is immaterial, so if he's going to relate to us, he's going to relate to the immaterial part of us, which is our mind. And our mind is what's going to direct our bodies. So this is how it works. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to your mind, begins to renew your mind, begins to help bring about fresh, godly thoughts. Maybe it's scripture he brings to mind. Maybe it's instructions he gives you, but he begins to speak to your mind. And what you have to learn to do is to sit and to listen for his voice in your mind. Now, at any given time, you're going to have multiple thoughts running through your mind. Pretty much any moment of the day, you have a lot of thoughts, maybe even voices, words, thoughts come into your mind. There are going to be four major places where thoughts will come to your mind. One of them will be from yourself. It's called self-talk. You'll be talking to yourself, thinking to yourself. That comes from you. Another place will be the influence of the world. These are all the inputs that you have. It could be from your friends. It could be from television. It could be from music you listen to, talk show hosts, whatever. All these inputs and some of the things that we shove our mind filled with are some pretty messed up stuff. But the world will speak to us in our minds. It can begin to control our thoughts. So it can be from self, it can be from the world, it can be from the enemy. One of the primary tactics of the enemy is to implant deception, lies in your mind. I so love the fact that God brought us this sermon series about the Holy Spirit right after a sermon series about mental health. Because the very first sermon of the mental health sermon series, I told you that there's a war going on in your mind and the one who's fighting against you is Satan, the enemy himself, and his chief tactic is to put lies in your mind. He is the father of lies. Lies are just, just his language and he implants lies and deception in our minds, thoughts that are not true. And so we have to recognize we can have thoughts that come from self, from the world, from the devil, or if we are believers in Jesus Christ, thoughts that come from the Holy Spirit himself 
as he's renewing our mind. But when we offer our bodies, we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord, then God, the Spirit, begins to come inside of us and helps us not conform any longer to Satan or to the flesh or to the world, but he transforms us by the renewing of our mind. He's cleaning out all the junk and crud so that his voice is there. And sometimes that's a lot of work as he has to clean out, but that's the work the Holy Spirit does inside of us so that we can hear him speak to us. Which, I don't know if you noticed, it's, it's passive. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the reason it's passive is because it's not saying transform your mind. Work really hard to get all the junk out. It's not what you do. It's what the Spirit does. It's passive. Be transformed. The Spirit comes inside of you and the Spirit begins to transform the way that you think. You are utterly transfigured and transformed by the renewing of your mind that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of you. And so when the Spirit speaks to you, then you obey what He says and you see the perfect will of God. Now, I know there are some of you watching this right now and you hear me talk about thoughts and you're going, man, that sounds really subjective to me. It sounds like there are a lot of people who can do some really crazy things and just say the Holy Spirit. I mean, didn't you tell us a story last week, Jason, about how there was some woman that came up to you on church one Sunday and told you the Holy Spirit told her that Mexico was going to invade the U.S. and that she said it was going to happen within a year, but that was 10 years ago. And, and I want to say absolutely, yes, people can very easily manipulate or hear and think it's the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and the Holy Spirit's not really speaking to them. You have to learn how to distinguish the Spirit's voice from any other voice, your voice, the world's voice, or the enemy's voice. But it's actually not nearly as complicated as you think. In fact, I want to give you three things, three simple questions you need to ask that are tools to help you, a rubric, if you will, to help you understand whether it's the Spirit's voice or some other voice. You, you might want to take some notes here. This will be very important to you as you want to journey in this Spirit walk. First thing, is what you're hearing in agreement with the word of God or not? Because here's what I can guarantee you 100% of the time, if it is a thought from the Holy Spirit, it will agree with the word of God, the Bible. Because the Holy Spirit's the one who inspired the Bible. So he's not gonna inspire the Bible as truth and then go off and tell us something different than what the Bible says. So if you have a thought that you're saying is the Holy Spirit, but it does not agree with the Bible, it's a thought of harming somebody or tearing somebody down or being cruel or mean or whatever, that is not in agreement with the word of God. And so you can know that is not of the Holy Spirit. So the first test is, does it agree with the word of God or not? Second test that you need to ask yourself is, is what I'm hearing causing me to do something selfish or selfless? That's a huge point I want to make. The flesh will well up inside of us, and our voice is often a very selfish voice. We'll want to do things that benefit us. And oftentimes when the Spirit is speaking to us, He'll call us to be selfless, to sacrifice, to do something that we wouldn't naturally want to do. And so if you have a compulsion, you feel the Spirit speaking to tell you to do something, you don't want to naturally do that requires selflessness. Oftentimes, that's a good indication it is likely from the Holy Spirit of God. But then the third question you need to ask yourself to ensure this is of the Spirit, and this is one of the most unusual but important ones, is who's getting the glory, Jesus Christ or someone else? Because again, I can guarantee you 100% of the time, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, he will be speaking to you to do something that will bring glory to Jesus Christ. The Father gave the Spirit a mission, and the Spirit's mission is to extol and exalt the name of Jesus. That's what he's about. And so if, if there is a, a word, a voice, a thought coming to your mind, and it will bring you glory, or someone else glory, or something else glory, then that is not of the Holy Spirit of God. But if that thought is something that will bring glory to Jesus Christ, then that oftentimes comes from the Spirit of God. Now, you have to have all three of these be true. It's not just two are true and one's off and it maybe it's still from the Spirit. 
when all three are true, then you have a high degree of confidence that that is likely the Spirit of God talking to you. If it agrees with the Word of God, if it is calling you to do something selfless, and if it is for the glory of Jesus Christ, these are often the truths that will be from the Holy Spirit of God. Because these are the very things Satan doesn't want you to do. Satan does not want you doing things in agreement with the Word of God. He's going to try to deceive you and make you not believe the Word of God. He wants you to be selfish. Go back to the Garden of Eden. What does he say to Adam? He says, man, this God guy is holding you down. If you ate this, you could be like God and you need to be like God. He's, he's pulling at selfishness. He wants us to be selfish and he does not want Jesus to have glory. Satan is against the glory of God. So if you have a thought that's about the glory of Christ, that's, that's selfless, that's agree, that agrees with the word of God, you can know that's not Satan, that's not the flesh, that's not the world. That's the spirit of God speaking to you. Then every single morning, what I want to encourage you to do is when you pray, you begin to listen to the spirit of God and you start to have thoughts, start taking them through that rubric, asking those questions. And here's what's so great about it. It does take a lot of time. That's why I highly encourage journaling because you can go through that journey as you're doing so. But over time, you begin to discern and become familiar with the voice of the Spirit of God. You begin to recognize His impulse and His voice over yours or the world's or the enemy's. You get better at recognizing it. Which, by the way, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you see this in real life anyway. I see it in my, my own wife. I, I am amazed at my wife's ability to recognize the sound of our children's voices. There'd be times when we were in community group and, and our, our daughter, George, at the time was, was really young. And, and we, we always, we have a big family. We got six kids and we have, for whatever reason, we just draw in other people with big families. And so we'd have like eight adults and like 24 kids running all over the place, crazily outnumbered. And there would be kids screaming all the time, but there would always come a moment when Virginia would go, oh, well, no, no, that's Georgia. Something's wrong. And I'm like, how do you know that's Georgia? And she would go tearing off and she'd come back and sure enough, there was Georgia crying. And somehow she knew that was Georgia's, I'm her daddy and I had no clue that that was my daughter, Georgia. But Virginia knew and it makes sense because God has assigned my wife to be at home to do her ministry in the home. So she's around our children 24 seven and she can tell you the nuances of their cries. That, that's, a, that's, that's a fake cry. That's a playful cry. That's a I'm hurt cry. That's an I'm angry cry. I mean, she can tell them all apart because she's so familiar with the sound of our children's voices. Well, this is the same way it works with the spirit. The more time we spend listening to the Spirit, discerning the Spirit's voice, the more familiar we come, we become with the sound of His voice. And the better and better we get at this. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to take on a practice of daily stopping and listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And when I say stopping and listening, I mean get your journal out. Tell the Lord that you offer your body, you present your body as a living sacrifice to the Holy Spirit to be used for His purposes. And then say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? And then just stop and wait. Pin at the ready. And actually listen. Spirit, what are you saying to me? In fact, there's this really crazy, beautiful practice the Spirit has been giving me over these last couple of months where he's been giving me what I call daily assignments. Basically, in the morning time, I wake up and I do my quiet time. And part of my quiet time is to go to my backyard and I journal and I pray and while I'm there, I, I write out that I, I present my body as a living sacrifice to the Holy Spirit. And then I ask him, Holy Spirit, today this body is yours. What's your assignment for me? What's your mission? What do you want to accomplish through this body of mine today? And then I wait and I listen. Sometimes it comes really quickly. Sometimes it takes a couple minutes. Sometimes it takes five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, just sitting there in silence, waiting for the Spirit to speak. 
And every single morning, he'll give me a fresh assignment. And they're not often unusual, but they're real specific. So I remember one morning, it's probably about six weeks ago, the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly. And he said, okay, Jason, here's my assignment for you. Today, I want to love on your daughter, Jovi. I want her to experience my unconditional, my tangible, patient love for her. And I want her to experience it through you, her earthly daddy. And so he said to me, that's my job. That's what I want to do today. I want to love on your daughter, Jovi, through you. So I knew that he was calling me to be unusually patient and kind and loving. Now, this was a Saturday, which meant I got to spend the whole time with my daughter, Jovi. But I also knew that morning this likely meant she was going to have a rugged day, which ended up being true. Now, you may not know my story, but my daughter, Jovi, we adopted her from China four years ago. and She had a very, very hard orphanage situation for the first couple of years of her life. And because of it, she has some emotional scarring that flares up from time to time. And sure enough, that was one of those days where it flared up. She was having temper tantrums, screaming, having a lot of struggles, a lot of crying, a lot of misbehavior. But I was amazed at the Spirit's power to be patient with her. Like I, I would just get down on my knee and gently talk with her. And she would, she would be angry and she would cry. And I would speak gently and I would lovingly correct her. And then I would bring her to my shoulder and she would just cry. My, my, shirt, my shirt was just soaked with her tears, but... I was so patient, unusually patient, because the Lord had told me this was my assignment. And, and I spent all kinds of time with her playing little Doc McStuffins. She's doing an exam on me on the floor, watching shows, and she's in my lap, and I'm just tickling her and playing with her. We're just having a great time. And I was so amazed by the end of the day how she had changed. She had a smile. She was obedient. She was enjoying herself. She could not get enough of her daddy. And when I tucked her in at night and I prayed over her, and I kissed her on the head. I knew God had used me, that she had experienced the Father's love through me. And I went downstairs with a smile on my face, knowing I had fulfilled my assignment, and I was the one who got the joy from it. That's what it means. It just means, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do to this body? I'm ready. Use me. There was another time, just, just a couple of weeks after that, where I had a very specific, one of the most specific assignments that particular morning. I prayed, I present my body to you, Holy Spirit. What's your assignment for me today? And he told me that day, I knew I was going to be going to lunch with a number of us pastors, with a church planner and his wife, and we were going to talk about ministry. And that day, the Lord told me, I want you to bless your server at the restaurant. But he was very specific. I want you to give him a $100 bill and tell him that I, I know him and I care for him and that's from me, not you, Jason. And so I'm, I'm sitting here just recording this and I'm doing the rubric right now. Okay, is it, uh, is it in agreement with word of God? Radical generosity, check. Is it selfless? Is it something I don't really want to do? Give $100 away, check. <laughs> is it going to bring glory to Jesus or to me? It's not going to be to me because I'm going to tell him this is from God. He's going to think I'm a crackpot loony. But it's for the glory of King Jesus, check. And so I said, okay, I think this is of you. And so that day when we went to lunch, I mean, I'm sitting down, I'm going, all right, let's see who my server's gonna be because I know the Spirit's told me I'm supposed to minister to him. And sure enough, when our server came, God opened up the door for some profound conversation, discovered he was from out of town and that uh, he was struggling to build some relationships over here just because of work and busyness. And, and he lived in Grand Prairie. We were in a restaurant in Arlington. It was just tough to make connections. And so we started talking about faith and background. And, and he shared that he grew up kind of in and out of church, but he was struggling getting into a church here because all the churches here were big and he was looking for something smaller. And I was so amazed by God's perfect timing because sitting right next to me was our campus pastor for our Grand Prairie campus, Tony Aviles, which happens to be in Grand Prairie, the very place that our server lives, of course. 
And that campus has two services, one in English, one in Spanish. And this guy's Latino, and, and, and he's looking for something smaller, you know, about the 100-person range. And here's our campus. Each service about 100 to 150 in there. Perfect place. A lot of young adults, a place for him to connect. And there's Tony just telling him everything. And this dude is lighting up, excited about it. And they're making this beautiful connection, and I see God's divine purpose in it. And then right before we're about to leave, I go over to this guy, and I, I walk up to him. I said, hey, man, listen, I, I know this may sound crazy. But this morning I was praying and the Holy Spirit told me today that he wanted me to bless my server at lunch. And I didn't know who it was going to be, but that server is you. And here's specifically what he told me. He wanted me to give you this $100 and to tell you that he's, he's thinking about you and he loves you and cares for you. So that's from God, not from me. Take it. God bless you. Thank you so much. And I, I was amazed at the way his face lit up. Now, he might have thought I was a crazy guy, but he didn't care, man. If a crazy guy's going to give me 100 bucks, I'm good with it. And I got to walk away from that restaurant stoked that I've been used by God and with this team of people to accomplish his purpose simply because I said, God, what's your assignment for me today? That's all it is. Just waking up, saying, God, this body belongs to you. What do you want to do with this body today? And what I've discovered as I've done this again and again and again is that God is willing to tell us what he wants us to do. This is exactly what the scripture says back in verse two. It says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. We should be testing the voices that are inside of us to discern the will of God. And when we do, what we'll discover is that the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. That's exactly what I've been seeing over and over again. It didn't matter how many times. I just always happen to be at the right place at just the right time because his will is perfect. I, I just happen to have a word that somebody else needs to hear. I just happen to be used by God to bless somebody else, and I receive the blessing for it. Over and over, I'm seeing that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect, and he's just inviting me into it. And I'm learning this spirit walk, it isn't a labor. It's not a burden. It's a delight if I do it for the right motivation. And that's why I want to leave with this thought for you. Listen, if you want to walk with the Spirit of God, then you have to make sure you do it not to get brownie points with God, not to make God love you. You can't make God love you anymore. You walk with the Spirit. You offer your body as a living sacrifice to the Spirit because He already loves you. You present your bodies to the Spirit of Christ because Jesus Christ presented His body on the cross for you. Everything that we do is a response to the gospel. But that's what he had been saying back in verse 1. You saw it right there. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. When it says by the mercies of God, that's referring to in, in light of the mercies of God. In light of all the theology I gave you in chapters 1 through 11. And you want to know what that theology says? That theology says in Romans 3.23 that every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That theology says in Romans chapter 5, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us, because of our sin, deserves to be separated from Almighty God. But that theology also says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. He died to free us from our sins. And that theology goes on into Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And it says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. All the way into verse 13, that says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the mercy of God 
sinners broken that don't deserve anything but death and separation from God, redeemed by Christ who died for us in our sin so that we could have eternal life. And therefore in Christ we have reconciliation to the Father. We have eternal life. We have joy. We have peace. We have forgiveness. We have power. All these things. These are the mercies of God. And he's saying in light of the mercies of God, what can we do but present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him? So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that very thing. In a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper at the end of this next song, and we're going to do so as a reminder that we are inviting the Spirit of God because he gave up his body for us. But as we get there, we're going to sing a song, and I want you to, I want you to think about the lyrics of this song. In fact, I brought my phone up here just so I, I, I could remember these lyrics. But we're going to sing a song called Available, and it starts off, Narrow as the road may seem, I'll follow where your spirit leads. And then it says, I say, yes, Lord, I'm available. The song goes on, the bridge, which is so strong. Here I am. Here I am. You can have it all. You can have it all. That's the offer that we're making to the Holy Spirit. We're saying, Holy Spirit, you deserve this. Here I am. You can have it all. Listen, I, I want you to sing the song, but I don't want you to give lip service to God. I want you to wrestle through this. Are you willing to sing this song as a declaration? Holy Spirit, I offer myself to you. Take it all. In fact, in a moment, I'm going to challenge you if you're able to. Now, you might not be able to. You might be listening to this in the car or on a run or somewhere in a public space. You may not be able to do this, but if you are at a place right now where you're by yourself, I want to encourage you to sing this next song on your knees, maybe even on your face, to assume a posture of surrender. And to sing this out to God. Yes, Lord. I say, yes, Lord, I'm available for you. Here it is. Here I am. You can have it all. But before we sing that song, let me say this. There are some of you watching this. Before you sing this song, you got to know there must come a moment in your life when you offer every bit of yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you surrender, where you, you recognize these truths I've given you, they're true. You've sinned. You've fallen short of the glory of God. You deserve death and eternal separation. You can't change it. But Christ died for you because he loves you. And if you receive his forgiveness and confess him as your Lord, make him your master, then the word of God says you'll be saved. You've got to call upon him. And so before you even sing, maybe on, a, on the floor, what you need to do is say, Jesus Christ, I offer myself to you. Forgive me my sins. Take over. Invite his spirit. Listen, until you do, maybe you only have the voice, your voice and the world's voice and the enemy's voice but the Spirit wants to come inside of you and speak to you and change you and renew you. But it comes by faith in Christ. So if you need to do that, then you take this next song and you pray that. I'll tell you what to do when I come back before we take the Lord's Supper. But if you're able to, you get down on your knees, get down on your face, and let's declare to the Lord this truth.